One of the things I really admire about George is George is a person and George is a creator of this amazing saga. Um, is his attention to great stories, great myths, but also the present. And um, Star Wars, as far as the Emperor's story is concerned, is about somebody who preaches democracy and acts as an authoritarian. And uh, all I would say is that hasn't gone away, probably won't go, go away. There's a lot of that about. So keep your wits about you. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a quirky podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel. And I am Jose. And this week, we are just going to talk about everything. Uh, Potpourri, miscellaneous. Um, But first, what do we have on tap, Jose? We are drinking... Frothbite IPA, and the can is amazing. It's got uh, looks like the Rockies or I don't know Mount Everest, for a snowy Rocky Mountain, <laughs> and you got these '80s looking dudes in their <laughs> snow gear. One guy's playing a saxophone and sunglasses. The other guy's kicking back. Very good. Frothbite IPA. And where is Alvarado Street Brewery? Do we talk about this? Already? I think it's in Santa Cruz. Is it already? Okay. I think it's yeah. yeah. Okay. So this is our third episode yeah. where we're drinking something yeah. from your cousin yeah. Travis. Yeah, good stuff. We are getting rid of it all. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, we had the um, Devil's Gulch, Devil's Gulch Hazy IPA, the uh, SoCal Kooks in the last episode, and now this yeah Frostbite. Check it out. Yeah, very good. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's good. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be a bit loquacious. So that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I'm going to discuss Pope Francis's birthday. He turned 83 years young on December 17th. It's crazy. And just last Friday, um, he celebrated his 50th anniversary as a priest. Well, let's cheer him. I love the guy. Yes, long live. Pope Francis, 83. 50 years as a priest, as a Jesuit priest. Did you see today that he um, has lifted a secrecy ban? Yes. A ban, I should say, yeah. Um, and that, of course, is going to be huge good news to um, advocates of getting, basically getting everything out in the open. It's got to be, um, you have to rip the band-aid off, get, get it all out there, just mm-hmm. be done with it. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's been like a slow bleed, you know? Yeah. It's like trickling out yeah. of information that's just damning. Yeah. Just get it all out in one shot. Was the... It. Ban before based on base 
basically kind of like clergy client relations and almost not, or, like just protecting yeah the church which is at this point there's no point right well good for him because if it if it's not based on you know things that somebody's um, confessing to their right. priest in in the confessional um, and it can help to put people who might you know transgress again right away. So Pope Francis was born in 1936 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. He's Argentinian. Mm-hmm. His parents were Italian immigrants. And um, he joined the Jesuit order in 1958. It took about nine years for him to become a Jesuit. I mean, it, so it hits his 50th anniversary last Friday. Um, in 1998, he was appointed Archbishop of Buenos Aires. And then in March 2013, he was elevated to be the 266th Pope. Dang. The Bishop of Rome. That is a lot. A lot more than presidents of the United States, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. wow. It's the longest surviving institution in the world. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Great guy. Control? I thought I would continue uh, bringing up psychological studies as my Fred talks, but I stopped, of course, which is typical Joel. I'm going to bring him back up with this idea of cute aggression. I love this idea because yes. when my brother, who was born when I was about five years old, was born... I totally remember wanting to pinch him <laughs> and to strangle him and to bite him. And just I just saw his cuteness, and I really was affected by that. And then having these weird feelings, not, I guess, legitimized, but kind of legitimized by yeah. this study. I think it was Yale that came out with it. Did you hear why we might have developed this cute aggression? And it's not everybody, but do you get it? I, oh, I totally get it with okay. Frankie all the time. Yeah. But yeah. is it like a... Is it like rooted in some kind of like cannibalistic impulse? I don't know. They think that it might be. I don't know how you could prove this, but this maybe is just speculation on psychologist's part. A way to attenuate our sort of super, super uh, solicitous, solicitous feelings towards babies okay. and, and our uh, joy in, in their in their you know in their cuteness mm-hmm. and, and a way to sort of temper that, which oh I think goodness. is kind of interesting. And there's other oh. w- other ways that we as human beings temper our extreme feelings and, and might have helped us survive, I guess. Um, for instance, they say that when we cry, when something good happens, huh. that is a way to temper our tears are a way to temper our extreme joy, wow. which you'd think, no, nah, we want the joy, but no, nothing that is extreme sh- is very helpful as humans. So I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I would totally like bite on Baby Yoda's ears. Like, oh, if he was yeah. a real creature, just yeah. totally. <laughs> I could totally see that. But that's how I am with Frankie. Like, I always want to yeah. pinch her cheeks and bite her arms. Yeah, and- it's weird. It's such a, a real thing, and I'm glad that they've given names to, a name to it now. It's cute aggression. Yeah, cute aggression. That's funny. I don't know if that's the that's the clinical term, but yeah, who knows? It's all psychology, so we can't trust it anyway. But <laughs> you can't trust psychology. <laughs> F- <that>. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love psychology, but I, I totally think there's there's warrant to that. Yeah. So this is the part of our show where we just talk about whatever um, topic we feel is topical. And to top off the topic for this week, let's 
just bring up all kinds of topics. Let's just mm-hmm. start. We haven't talked about Trump and politics in a long time. We have to get involved. Mm-hmm. I've totally not been following impeachment because I'm just disgusted that people don't think he should be impeached, right. really. So if Obama mm-hmm. solicited a different government right. to you know, investigate his political rivalry. Is there any Republican? Can't they look at it from that perspective to, to get over their bias? No. I mean, they would all, of course, want to impeach him, wouldn't they? Or oh, maybe think, they're so awesome that they wouldn't. No, I think they would want to, and this might be a bit much, but I think they would want him to lynch him. Yeah, it would be. Um, there was already that racist impulse yeah. against Obama, and then there was this whole, he's not a real American. Yeah. If he were to do what Trump did, it would totally be, well, look, he's working with a foreign government. Yeah. But with Trump, it's like, well, he wants to make America great again, so it's okay. Plus, he's white, so. I have been just hearing snippets on the way to um, school. So it's five minutes. I work five minutes from school. And in that time, um, I hear sometimes Republicans get up and just, they're dumbfounded that this investigation is going on. Yeah. That's all I hear of this whole investigation. I don't go on at all. For in, I don't even read articles because I just get incensed. Yeah. And so I'm not trying to, I'm trying to figure out if they really believe it or if this is just all just power politics. I kind of feel like yeah. for some of them it is, but I don't know. I think part of it is that where they're protecting their team. Mm-hmm. And Mitch McConnell is a perfect oh. example. This son of a bitch went on Hannity on Fox recently and basically bragged that he blocked for the last two years all of, of Obama's. He blocked all of Obama's judicial appointments, including uh, Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. I was shocked that uh, former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill those positions. I'll Senator, tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was in charge of the... Uh, of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. I give, I, and I will give you full credit for that. I think it's safe to say there will not be hearings or votes. I think it is also safe to say the next president, whoever that may be, is going to be the person who chooses the next Supreme Court justice. And then he has the audacity to turn around and say that the impeachment process underway against Trump is a hoax. It's not, you know, legitimate. But ultimately, House Democrats cared more about attacking President Trump than keeping their promises. So they rushed through a slapdash investigation. They decided not to bother with the standard legal processes for pursuing witnesses and evidence. Democrats have let Trump derangement syndrome develop into a kind of dangerous partisan fever that our founding fathers were afraid of. This mother blocked Obama for years. This enrages yeah. me. No, it does. It's and then so now galling. he's going to protect Trump, who is a criminal, who either knowingly or unknowingly is an agent of a foreign nation, and who is deliberately spreading Russian propaganda. Because the whole storyline of, well, Ukraine is the one who actually interfered in our 2016 election. That is a whole narrative created by the Russians to sort of put the blame off of themselves and put it on someone else. And Republicans and Trump, they're pushing that narrative. Rudy Giuliani apparently is doing a whole documentary where he's trying to prove that Ukraine did it. It's just too surreal. That's the only word for this. But again, I have to come back to the idea that it's just not Trump. It's not... 
these senators and Congress people, it's the American people. And I don't care. I'm just going to condemn the American people that are supporting him still. It's That's where we are. And mm-hmm. and until the American people decide that they're not going to put up with this and, and the American people are so polarized. But I got to say, the one side is fringe. They're just yeah. fringe. I got to say something else, too. This bugs me. Who cares about quid pro quo? Really? Does it? Does Trump really have to offer something to make it bad? <laughs> All he has to do is say, "Go investigate my political rival" to right. make it bad. He doesn't have to offer anything. Why do people care? And this bugs me because Democrats and and liberals say, "Oh, that matters," and they say, right. "Well, there may or may not be quid pro quo." It doesn't matter. It makes it worse, of course, but yeah. it's still horrible. And nobody is is saying that Trump didn't solicit solicit help from. From uh, whoever Ukraine. the guy is, Ukraine president. Yeah. So, Zelensky? What is his name? Zelensky? I think it's Zelensky. Zelensky? Yeah. So, actually, that's funny you mention that because in one of the podcasts I listened to, the New York Times, um, the Daily, they talked about that. And actually, they brought on, I believe it was a third grader, and they talked to him about the impeachment process. And the kid was talking about the quid pro quo. Now, obviously, this kid was like super brilliant and he's around adults who talk about this a lot. But even the third grader said, well, this isn't quid pro quo, because with quid pro quo, you get something that you want, I get something that I want. He's like, this is, like, bullying, <laughs> where he's saying, like, this is what I want. If you don't do it, then I'm going to withhold money from you. This Even this third grader understands, like, this is basically extortion. Not corrupted by all this adult bad exactly. thinking and bias. What an awesome... Third kid. grader. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, and this is a country that was invaded by Russia. And right. now, for some reason, the Republicans, who used to be such good Russia ba- uh, bashers, are suddenly on Russia's side. I don't I don't get the whole Russia thing. I just keep on waiting for the shoe to drop where we find out something about Russia helping us in a major way. But... It's just surreal, all this yeah. Russia-loving on the Republicans' part. Not all of them, but, yeah. man, it's just, I don't get it. Yeah, so I just want to point out that um, PolitiFact every year has this, like, lie of the year. Right? PolitiFact is regarded as kind of, well, by sensible people, PolitiFact is regarded as kind of um, like a disinterested observer, yeah. and they will determine what's true, what's false. No, but they're the evil media, according to they're Trump. They're the I'm evil sure. media. Well, they just announced that their lie of the year was President Trump's claim that the intelligence community whistleblower incorrectly reported his call with the Ukrainian president. Nice. That's the lie of the year. Nice. Because Trump keeps going out and saying, like, this was a perfect call. My call was perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, no. You son of a bitch. You liar. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. He called the Ukrainian president and said, you will not get this money and you will not get a White House sit-down with me for the media if you don't investigate my political opponent's son. Yeah, I don't get it. And uh, some of the Republicans are saying, yeah, but look at Biden's son. It doesn't matter. Why does, why, even if Trump's son was, and there might be something that comes up in the future where he's, he's dealing, um, he's, that doesn't matter. You don't hold up, you no. don't hold up aid 
military aid to investigate the guy. That's why I don't get it. All this two wrongs make a right business right. just doesn't make sense. Well, the, the thing is, is that Joe Biden's son should not be doing, should not have been doing what he was doing. We need to have laws that stop politicians or any of their family members from being lobbyists for foreign countries. Yeah, no, that's or awesome. foreign companies. Yeah. That needs to stop. Yeah, but it has absolutely nothing to do with this. No, but that's the problem is, is now he's trying to say like, well, see, his son is, like you were saying, two wrongs making a right. Look what his son is doing. Yeah. We should investigate what they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's turning away, it's trying to turn the attention away from what he has done onto someone else. Yeah. And it's, no, you're the president. You're committing high crimes and misdemeanor. And I just want to remind everyone, we just went through the firing of James Comey, all of the obstruction that went on to stop any investigation. Um, he was talking to Comey about, you know, letting Michael Flynn go. Yeah. And Michael Cohen, his lawyer, coming out and flipping on him and having to go to jail. And then years of this Mueller investigation. All of this goes on. And then he still has this quid pro quo blackmail extortion going on. If that's not perfect evidence that the guy is just corrupt to his bones, then yeah. then there's no evidence at all. I The other day I was trying to think, you know, I've got to try to look at this. We've got to all try to look at these from both sides. And so I asked myself, okay, would I really want to impeach Obama if he had just done that, mm-hmm. given everything, all the, you know, even-tempered behavior of Obama, and you could say what you want about his uh, policies, but he was always so even-tempered and dignified in office, right? Right. And such a good family man, unlike Trump. And I got to tell you, I think I still would actually Mm -hmm. want to uh, impeach Obama for this. It would be enough. And it would, that would be a tough one, though. But when you add everything else that Trump right. has done, that he's got the nerve, the gall to do this just after the, the, the investigation into other corruption, man, it just proves that he's so corrupt to his bones. And, man, he's dangerous. And I think that's the point, too, is look how many people in Trump's circle who've gone to prison. Yeah. Who've been indicted. Incredible. His own campaign manager, Paul Manafort, is in jail. His lawyer is in jail. Look at how many of, of his people that he put into into civil service positions also mm-hmm. are coming out against him in right. the impeachment, too. These are a lot of them are his people that he mm-hmm. put in place. Not all of them are Obama's. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another sign that, that things are not right in Denmark. But then who... <laughs> so here's the million-dollar question. He's not going to get impeached. He'll be impeached by the House, but he won't be convicted by the Senate. Because yeah. I, don't see, I don't see people in the Senate, I don't see Republicans in the Senate being objective. No. I don't see them putting the interests of the country ahead of the interests of their party. No, I'm hoping that some huge, huge story breaks during yeah. that time. I don't see it happening. You saw how... Um, Schumer is asking McConnell to just put mm-hmm. a few people on the stand, and McConnell just today, I think, or yesterday said, mm-hmm. no, we won't even put these guys on the stand. He mm-hmm. wants to put John Bolton, I think, on. He wants to put several other people who would have a lot of things to say. Mm-hmm. He won't even do that. Yeah, because Mitch McConnell's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's awful. I'm sorry to say that. He is the new Dick Cheney, isn't he? Besides worse. Trump, who is, of course, the emperor. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, he's Darth Vader. He, ah, oh, man. Mitch McConnell just is like a turtle man who needs to like 
pull his head back in the he shell just and packed. just go off on He really doesn't care himself. about how history's no. going to treat him, does he? He's horrendous. Oh. I have nothing nice to say about him. You are saying, I totally interrupted, when it goes to the Senate. What, oh, I mean, so he's not going to be convicted. Basically. No, definitely not. So he will be running for president right. in 2020. Right. Who are you supportive of? I am supportive of Biden. Mm-hmm. I've always liked him. I've liked him because I'm a centrist. I like to think of myself as a centrist, and Biden's a centrist. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, any Republican would say he's a full-on lefty, commie, liberal right. pinko. But Biden is truly a centrist, people. Uh, Warren and um, Sanders, I like them both, and I would much rather them than Trump, of course, but there some of their policies and some of their propositions are um, are maybe a little too <laughs> utopian right. or idealistic, and I don't know that we can uh, make them. I think it's Warren who thinks that we have enough money to give free education to everybody, and, and I think that would be great for poor people, and but I am putting kids into through college right now, and I don't even think that's fair for, I mean... What? How much would that cost? Maybe I haven't looked into the numbers, but and maybe compared to what we spend on military, that would be a smart move. But it just seems some of it to be too far fetched and and I don't know, made too costly. Right. So I'm also in the Biden camp. I get texts every day from Joe Biden to chip in five bucks. I am also on his Twitter account, and I, I like what too. he says. He's not pulling punches. I like that he's not pulling right. punches when it comes to Trump. But I think. The young people, the millennials, because I talked to my cousin Henry. I love my cousin Henry, mm. but he's a lefty. And I think like you, I consider myself to be a centrist. But I look at Bernie Sanders. I look at Elizabeth Warren, and they are way to the left. And so I think there's a there's a temptation by some uh, Democrats, some, some liberals, to want to go to the other extreme. Yeah. So if you look at Trump as being one extreme, they want to go to the other with like a Warren or Sanders, and I appreciate what they're doing. No, I, I do I, too. I agree with what they're saying, but I don't know that as president that they would represent all of America. Yeah. I think they would represent a slice of Americans who live on the coasts, right? The more liberal, mm-hmm. intellectual elites. I hate, to say, I hate to even saying that, but I don't. No, they think, totally do. I don't think like the Seattle or like Portland liberals, the hipsters. They don't represent, like, middle America. No. By the way, we're going to get there where their positions are, in, but it's going to be way down the line. It'll be time. It'll be 30 years from now, probably, or 20 years before we get to free right. education, free college education. By the way, let's be honest. The real reason we want Biden is... I want, I want to win. Yeah. He, I want to win. So, he, and I want, he brings those people in the middle of the country, right? The flyover country. Exactly. And Biden is centrist. Biden would be a return to normality. So instead of seeing this as an opportunity to go to the other extreme on the left, I think we should look at this as an opportunity to go towards what's normal. What's the regular order of business? Now, you don't have any kind of uh, naive idea that the Republicans are totally going to brace him as a centrist, though, when he gets into office. They're going to totally block him just like they always would anybody. They're going to block him, of course. But I think he has... Because he's been in politics for so long, which I think is a strike against him among some of the more liberal young mm-hmm. people. Totally. But because he has those relationships, and politics is all about relationships, he can build bridges. Whereas, like, Warren's been in politics for, what, four years? Yeah. No. She hasn't even started a full term, has she? Yeah. No, it, it, he is totally hard boiled, and he mm-hmm. knows how to, uh, yeah. 
to scramble eggs. Right. Is that what's the yeah. idiom? And, and make the sausage. Yeah, make the sausage in Congress. But yeah. I think Biden... And that's gotten him into lots of trouble. With several, But, you know, at least he's been there. But he's been there for decades. Yeah. But I see Biden ultimately, though... Being able to pull from Trump's base of voters, those yeah. blue-collar, middle American voters. I do, too. He's, I don't see Warren or, or Bernie doing that. Yeah. He's definitely got um, way more, what's that called? When Obama had it, he's able to energize people to yeah. that word. Not magnanimity. Not it's like charisma. Charisma. Oh, Yeah. Biden has got a lot of charisma. He's definitely above average on that. So I think that um, on the campaign trail, he's going to be able to motivate a lot of people right. with his with his charisma. I mean, I hate to cap on Clinton, Hillary a lot, and I always do on this podcast. But she, to me, didn't have very much of it at all on, no. the, on the campaign trail. And Biden will. I know he will. And he... African Americans like him. Yeah. He's going to get that vote out. We need that mm-hmm. vote to win. And I think that Hillary did not do especially well with, with even though they loved her husband, I don't mm-hmm. think she did especially well. Biden will definitely bring that vote out. He w- I think he will. And what I like about Biden is that he's got that folksy charm, yeah, that charisma. Exactly. And if you watch people go out and watch Joe Biden's debate against Paul Ryan yeah. in 2012, best debate ever. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Watch it. It's hilarious because Joe Biden is just exasperated with Paul Ryan. He's like, that's a bunch of malarkey. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Yeah. And I think nobody's that ever going to uh, yeah, accuse him of being elitist. And no. He is definitely, uh, you got a working class kind of temperament, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. He's the guy who rode the train from Delaware and right. to work. Right. Yeah. Right. And I see... Right now, maybe where he's a little hesitant, I feel like maybe he's being managed a little bit mm-hmm. because there's a sense that maybe he's a gaff machine where he's well, he, he has been a gaff machine, but do you know that I think some of his gaffes mm-hmm. are going to play well to Trump's people? I think so. Like him hugging ladies? Come on. Right. When the ladies come up and hug him, now, has he overstepped maybe. his bounds in today's world? few times, yes, but that's only in in today's world. 20 years ago, no, wouldn't have been. And there is a ton of Trump people who just scoff at Mm -hmm. people who say nobody can hug a lady anymore. No politician can. So, yeah. Well, that's the whole politician thing. Like, come on up. You're going to meet Joe Biden. He's going to give you a hug. Mm -hmm. And and so, actually, there have been women who've come forward. Um, Maybe they were the wives of people being sworn into office or something. Right, right. And they've said, like, yeah, Joe Biden in the picture is doing one of those creepy, like, leaning in, talking into my ear things. Do you mean he's a politician? Yeah. But they're like, but what he was saying to me was super encouraging. Yeah. Like, he was telling me, like, you're going to be great. You're doing a great job. And so even though, like, from the outside, it looks like, oh, Joe Biden's holding her shoulders and whispering in her ear. Yeah. Like, hashtag me too. Yeah. The person on the receiving end of that is like, I felt so comforted. Exactly. And so that's going to bring in people who are just sick and tired of of crazy PC-ness. I think we we talked about this in episode one. Yeah. In the hashtag Me Too episode. um, That there will be a backlash Mm -hmm. to the hashtag Me Too because they were going so far. Yeah. And there has been. And I think we're experiencing the the backlash where it's like, really? You can't even shake somebody's hand without them being like, I can't believe you touched my hand. Yeah. Right? I can't believe Joe Biden hugged people. Well, he's a politician. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. That's part of what they do. 
Yeah, there's definitely there's there's that that's gone too far. Well, what else is going? All on? right, sorry. So we'll do a little it's hard season. left turn from politics. Christmas <laughs> season, Jose. It's the most wonderful time. Sorry, okay. I, I to me it is. Yeah, and we talked about this the other day. Yeah, to me, Christmas is two seasons mm-hmm. as Disneyland is. Two feelings. Like, I mean, you get, it's just a good, great time of the year. We both it love is. it, right? I love Christmas. Ah, oh, it's so wonderful. So, in, I also, being a non, I guess I'm not a Christian, although I like to call myself a follower of Christ philosophy, read the best article about how Jesus didn't preach, and I want to get your take on this. Jesus didn't preach this idea that too many Christians have these days, that this world sucks, and we just need to do everything we can to prepare for the next world. This article is awesome. It was in the Atlantic uh, magazine, and the guy's theme is, no, the early Christians all would have believed that Christianity believed that heaven was going to be brought down to earth, yes. not the other way around. Yes. We were going to make a heaven on here on earth. And when we mm-hmm. say the Lord's Prayer, we say, I'm trying to remember the line. The kingdom come. Okay, thank you. Thy kingdom will be done. come, right? Come here. Mm-hmm. I love that article for that idea. And in the book of Revelation, there's the vision of, the, the heavenly Jerusalem descending to earth. Yeah, and man, have we gone astray, right? That's more of a like evangelical. Yes, Sadducees, Pharisees idea, nuttiness. Maybe like a Lutheran view. It really is, and and it's, a, it's an evangelical view for sure. For sure, it's evangelical. And there are people who really don't want their kids, for instance, to be mingling right. with most kids out there, and and or like just don't watch this movie. Right. Don't. Listen to those cuss words. Don't drink too much wine or beer or don't be, I don't know. It's almost like anything, what was the great line of of the Puritans back in the, just basically anything that makes you feel good, stay away from it. It's sinful. Sinful, right. So my take is that is absolutely antithetical to Christ's teaching and the Bible. Yeah. So... Enjoy life, man. Exactly. If you look at the book of Genesis, God made everything and it was good. Yep. And he yep. made man and it was and here, very good. Here's another thing. He made sex and sex is good. That's oh, yeah. another huge evangelical stumbling block. Yeah. Man. Well, look at Jesus. And I, I, and I don't want to blast my Protestant friends too much, but or evangelical friends too much. But if you look at like a Catholic mass when we do our communion, it's... The wafer, the communion wafer, and wine. Yeah. Not grapefruit juice. The first miracle. Yeah. Turning water into into wine. Yeah. It's because you're supposed to get that sort of like, that feeling you get when you've had some alcohol or whatever. Jesus loved to party. There's just no doubt. He liked frivolity. He liked, oh, he just liked joy. And so there's an image of Jesus as being kind of dour. No, I know. It's so sad. No, Jesus, you got to know. Jesus was hilarious. He was laughing. Yeah. He was having a great time with people we would consider to be sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, lepers, all these people that society frowned upon. He was partying it up with them. Yeah. So, like... It's funny because this whole idea that some people in in society are trying to push Christ out of Christmas or even get rid of the word Christmas, I mean, I don't see that happening. But no. I do think that we need to bring 
the aspects of, of Jesus's life into Christmas because it just matches the, the joy of, of this season, you know, his, his joy in living. Totally. I would have I think, loved to have heard his jokes. <laughs> oh, totally. And I think there's tons of jokes in the Bible. Oh, yeah. We just don't get them because yeah. it's like people, you know, at mass or at church, they'll read the readings and they read them so straight-faced. Yeah, yeah. And they go, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everything's <laughs> so dour. But if We'd you, be, That'd be great if somebody did a sermon on, on the jokes in the Bible, yeah. There's actually a book that I read that I advise everyone read. It's ah, called you that, yeah. Between Heaven and Mirth yeah. it's by Father James Martin. And he goes through and he analyzes all these things that Jesus Uh says, and they're hilarious. So, for example, one of them was someone tells Nathaniel, look, this man has come from Nazareth. And Nathaniel says, you know, what good can come from Nazareth? (laughs) And then... It is funny the way you said that, yeah. Nobody ever laughed with you. Yeah. And then Jesus is like, no, there's a guy with guile. Yeah. That's like somebody in Saracen. What good can come from Lompoc? Yeah, and then exactly. people in San Luis say, What good can come from Santa Maria? And then exactly. somebody in Santa Barbara say, What good can come from San Luis? You know, exactly. it's just, yeah, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. And then the, there's the other one where he's talking about, you know, you got a, you're pointing out the speck in someone else's eye, but you got like a log or a bean. <laughs> in your, so all these things we just read as like yeah. straight face, they're all jokes. Yeah, that's great. Right? They're all a turn of a phrase. No, they're they're great when you think of them as jokes. The log in the eye just, just struck me right now. is super good. But it, yeah, so I, I think it's like this weird duality that we have where it's mm-hmm. like the world is bad. Materialism yeah. is bad. Only spiritual invisibleness is good. Yeah. It's like, no, it's, it's all good. I think yeah. that's why, like, Catholicism is very sacramental, and a lot of evangelicals aren't. Yeah. So by, by, by sacramental, I mean, like, we have very physical, material aspects to our faith. Yeah. So, you know, the water for it's baptism. Really the blood. And, the, and then also, like, the bread and the wine. For mm-hmm. commu- like, all these things are material, they're physical, mm-hmm. because there's a spiritual aspect to them. It's this union of the the spiritual and the, the material. Yeah, I love it. But that's yeah. But anyway, I love Christmas too. I love uh, the nativity. I see. I love the lights. Yeah. It's just the songs. Even more oh, Carey. Gosh, how can there be so many great songs on one season? It's nutty. It's beautiful. Yeah. I've been playing the hell out of Vince Guaraldi's uh, <laughs> Peanuts Christmas album, oh. and and I'm probably overdoing it, but every year it just puts me in such a great mood. And we need that when we had lack of sun oh. and vitamin D. This that's like almost like perfect for this time of year that we have this great festival. And it's funny because. You know, the, the pagans before Christianity celebrated mm-hmm. this time, too. They needed it because if not, man, it can be depressing with all this gloom. Right. You need feasts. You yeah. need festivals. Humanity yeah. needs, like, to celebrate yeah. existence. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I was going to actually ask you, um, because this is like a potpourri conversation. This is yeah. just random. But I have been in the history department this year. And so I'm curious, like, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Like, how's English? How's English is very small. We have gone from, what, eight people to four, I think. Wow. And um, it uh, is different because we got two new people who are wonderful, but um, it's just so different. We have gone from, people who follow the show know this, but we've gone from four periods to six periods, and we're having to all adjust. And so the English and math departments have gotten a lot smaller. And I, though, 
have always pushed for six periods because our kids now get PE every day and they get electives every day and they get history for the whole year Mm -hmm. and they get science for the whole year. Whereas in the past they got all four of those subjects half the time. Um, So I'm more at this stage, at least into breadth than depth. I know you love the long periods because you love getting into really cool lessons, super powerful lessons. And you need that 80 minutes to do it, which I feel bad that you have to deal with these changes. How's it been for you? I'm right now all about breadth rather than depth and I'm not liking it. Yeah. And because I'm used to, I got spoiled with 80 minutes. I can really dive deep into topics. Yeah. And now with 55 minutes, it's like, come in, write down your homework. Let's quickly do this activity. And then the bell rings. Yeah. Pack up quickly, clean up the room and go. Yeah. It's, and it's definitely just, different. It's tough. It's so, I, I can't do projects. I can't rely on the kids to do any homework because they don't do homework because they've got, you know, homework for five other classes or whatever. Right. And it's just overwhelming. You haven't had the joy of trying to cram everything into a semester right. and and now being able to teach it a lot slower, which would mm-hmm. be better for you because you weren't a history teacher till this year. Right. So, I mean, you don't even get that benefit. And you're teaching basically four preps or three preps. Yeah, because I'm teaching history, seventh grade avid, eighth grade avid. Yeah. And I'm also creating everything. Right, brand new. So I'm in the process of everything I do, I create, whether it's a presentation or I'm organizing what videos I'm going to show. Well, you don't read scripts out of textbooks? Teacher I, editions? I don't. Man. And I feel like that's Man. what they want us to that's do. That's bad. You need They're to like, start doing that. I, uh, I won't name the person, but they are basically like, why aren't you guys all on the same page the same day? Because <laughs> <clears throat> we're good teachers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. No. We Have you ever heard? Possibly of um, we're supposed to be differentiating yeah. for the kids. So, like one of my periods might be a little more behind than my other ones, but each group, each class has their own dynamic. Yeah. Know? So it's hard for me to just go straight forward, and I have to because I only have a limited amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going for a breath, and it's, there's so much in the history curriculum that I have to cram in. Cram in. But if you had been in the history department for all these years, you'd probably be happy because you have so much more time to yeah. do it yeah you just are finding it hard because you're doing it for the first time i'm doing it for the first time i'm creating everything yeah and you're doing two other avid preps at yeah the same time, which is nutty yeah and then i go home and I have a baby. avid takes a ton of time too people don't yeah. realize that and you baby too yeah that's crazy so it's, it's just been crazy it's different mm-hmm. i have twice as many students twice as much work and half the time yeah. to do it in so yeah, i hear you i'm overwhelmed but i know a lot, a lot of teachers are liking the or liking the pace. Yeah. So. I'm used to it. I did it before. You never did it before. The no. teachers that did it before probably are having an easier time because it kind of comes back to you. I tell you, when I teach it the same thing five times in a row, which you don't get the joy of doing, man, you can really become a showrunner that last <laughs> period because uh-huh. you know exactly which topics to stay away from, which mistakes you've made already five times or four times. And, I mean, it should be that smooth the first period, but we're not right. perfect. We are human. So we can definitely, by the end of the day, teach an amazing class, yeah. Well, I, I subbed for you last week because you were out. Mm-hmm. That's right. Can we mention why you were out? Yeah, totally. I um, was at my wife's, um, what do you call it, assist. She was getting a probably softball size, cantaloupe-sized cyst taken out and a hysterectomy. And they actually took out her appendix, too. Yeah. So... 
Yeah, I was out the whole day, and she's doing great now. So, did you guys stay in the hospital? Did you like? Mm-hmm. No, I went home, but I could have if I wanted to. She, it would have been boring because she just went to sleep, and, and then yeah. I got there early the next day, and 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 she's now here, and and everything's great. So, yeah, Christina, when she had her C-section, I stayed in the hospital. Oh my gosh! Oh my god, it was horrible. She was, so she was in the hospital for five days. And I slept in like the most uncomfortable Those chair. chairs, I know. It was horrendous. Did they get you at least the chairs that reclined? They eventually showed me that the chair in the corner <laughs> reclined, but no one told me until like the end. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay. Oh, shoot. Thank you. They're very good about letting you stay if, they, if you want to, but uh, there was no need for me. That was very, very sweet of you. I stayed when my son had a C-section, or Chris had a C-section on, mm-hmm. on Soren, my first son, and I remember just, oh my goodness. I crawled into bed with her, and they saw him with like between them. We probably could have squished uh, him. Oh my goodness. It was crazy. Isn't that funny? Yeah, because I think I stayed because we had the well, we had our baby, obviously, and I wanted to be up to change her diaper and feed her and stuff because, um, yeah, Christina just just had a C-section, so she couldn't, you know, get up and walk Ooh. around and whatnot. So I ended up having to call the nurse in to help me every now and then. This poor nurse, like we bonded so much with our nurses <laughs> over that time because they would come in at like one thirty in the morning to show mm. us like. Well, this is how you change a diaper. Because it seems like you just change a diaper. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. It was like, this is like a very fragile yeah. creature. I'm going to break it. Yeah. And then, like, how to feed her or how often to feed her or how much to feed her. And Christina was not able to breastfeed, so it was all bottle. Yeah. Which, in a way, was easier, but also... How long ago is that now? She's, like, I, 15 months? Or? So now she's... Now she's um, or, 13 months. So, man, that was... Yeah. She seems like it was six months ago. That's crazy. It, went, it flew by. But, yeah, no, the host, the ladies in the hospital were awesome. We're friends with them on Facebook, actually. Uh, yeah. So they, they're able to keep up with all the stuff that we're posting. Yeah, I love the nurses at Marion. Oh, they're so sweet. Yeah, they're good. They do a great job. So, Jose, here's another change that I've made in my life. My brother has had an e-bike in Sacramento for a long time. So, Chris oh. and I just bought... From China. I love China. And I feel guilty about this. Uh-huh. These super expensive big batteries and motors that we actually add to our mountain bikes that we already had. So we've kind of like retrofitted our mountain bikes mm-hmm. bikes to turn them into e-bikes. And I'm having such a great time riding back and forth to, to uh, work. And it's super dangerous because you can get up to like, I've gone 38 miles per hour on these oh things. Where God. if you crash, you're going to get seriously hurt if not killed but you crashed and then so yeah you you know about this but i definitely want to talk uh, to the audience about this because of course the santa maria runner is that his santa maria running man santa maria running man was walking by me he didn't notice me i stopped turned around and i'm used to being able to pop up onto curbs because you can pop up onto curbs easily but not with like another hundred pounds on your bike with e-bike accessories motors and batteries so i tried popping up onto the curb smash into the curb fly right over the handlebars onto the sidewalk in front of the santa maria running man mm-hmm. who runs over to me and says are you okay and they say hey do you remember me <laughs> we did a podcast while it's saying he's going to come back on yeah. and and do another show with us he is doing really well working at the maya and just seemed like he's in such good spirits and we took a picture that he posted on he's got tons of followers and, uh, and then of course i had a student come to me the next day saying hey i saw you with the santa maria running man but that guy's awesome 
Anyway. Isn't that funny? Like yeah. the kids. Oh, yeah. Are, They're yeah. clued in. They're totally clued in. I've actually had people stop me. Have people stopped you? No. People have been stopping me more and more about the podcast. You're kidding. I'm totally serious. Are you kidding? Holy smokes. And I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know. I, I don't know if we hit like a ceiling or we plateaued, but <laughs> I think we're growing in numbers. Are you saying they stop you, people that know you? From the podcast. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And actually, I've had several people reach out and want to be on the podcast. So who do we have lined up besides the Saturday Running Man? So we have... um, Possibly. This guy, Jesse, who runs a local, like, beatbox DJ club. Sweet. And he wants to talk about all the music and stuff that he's doing with that. Nice. Gloria Soto. Nice. Who's a city councilwoman. That would be super cool to talk to her. Oh, I see her all the time. She's amazing. And just random people, like someone um, wants to talk to us who runs like um, like a dojo and they teach like Taekwondo. Nice. So that we have people who are like reaching out. That would be <clears> sweet. Um, and of course, if you haven't listened to the uh, episode with um, Mr. Lambert, what's his first name? Chris Lambert. Chris Lambert. Man, that was so good. And we started listening to his podcast. If you guys have a chance to listen to his podcast, do it. It is so riveting. Yeah, your own backyard. Yeah, your own oh. backyard. We had like 200 like downloads in like the first day. Yeah. That's like the fastest. <laughs> We're not like the biggest podcast. No. no but like 200 in a day yeah. is like, wow. That's like, yeah. For us, that's really good. Yeah. I'm sure other podcasts are like, we get that in a minute. That's but. all him and his evangelizing for this gal who died. And man, if anybody can do it, he is going to find out who did it. And, yeah. and with all of his followers and whatever we can do to help, that'd be awesome. Yeah, and it's been so great because all the support he has on you know social media, on Instagram, Facebook, they have been supportive of our podcast and getting out that message and sharing our episodes. So Chris's mom promoted our podcast. Wow. Denise Smart liked the podcast. Kristen wow. Smart's mom. Nice. To me, that was like really impactful. Kristen Smart's mom that's the, listened and liked. That's the most amazing. After listening to her talk just the other day, the most amazing compliment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, I hope that she gets what she wants. That's all I can say. I am just, yeah, every day overwhelmed by all the work that Chris is doing and mm-hmm. everyone who is, you know, dedicating their time and energy and money in many cases to um, finding oh, Kristen. Oh, man. So, me too. Good for him. Yeah. So maybe like as we wrap up here, I have tickets to see Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, in a few days. Are you going? Of course I'm going. Dude. I don't go the first day like you. I can't stand to be interrupted. Mm. And I want to see the show on a real quiet theater. Do you Uh, ever get bummed? I know you always go, like, is it not the first showing, if not one of the first showings? I try to go the first. Yeah. Do you get bugged by that? No. I totally hate it. I normally would hate it, which is why I walked out of Fast and Furious, the first one, mm-hmm. and, and don't care to watch it ever again. But with this, with Star Wars, I do appreciate the excitement, the energy yeah, that's of true. all the that fans. Do they ever get up before the show and do like a lightsaber fight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what's fun. When I used to dress it up. Yeah, people would dress up like Jedis and do lightsaber battles and stuff. It's oh, really nerdy. I'm looking forward to more than anything they... Being an ocean lover, seems like they've got so many cool ocean oh, scenes in this one. I think that's yeah. going to be really fun yeah. incorporating that onto it. And we've totally been, in my household, been watching all the old Star Wars just to get ready for it. It's over, Anakin! 
I have the high ground. And of course, Mandalorian has been fun. And that way, that happened kind of before, between number um, six and seven. And seven. Yeah. So this isn't too far off. So it's kind of neat. I know. People have been wondering, like, will there be, like, clues? Yeah. Because the next episode for Mandalorian will be the day before the Rise of Jedi. Oh, that'd be sweet. Will they drop some clues in that Now, is the next Mandalorian the last one? No, there's still oh, there's two, more. two more. Okay, good. Yeah. So the next one's going to be on Wednesday. Oh, not because they don't want it to interfere with people going. They don't want to interfere with interfere oh, with Star so Wars. Like tomorrow. So tomorrow. Yes. Yes. I'm so happy. Oh, I so, can't wait to see. Yeah. It. This is so much Star Wars stuff. I'm super Heck excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just so happy that we have this Disney Channel and we are going to get great Star Wars stuff in our own living rooms yeah. for who knows decades maybe. Yeah. It's going to be neat. Oh, can't wait. See, I, I'm looking forward to um, watching. The Rise of Skywalker. I have tons of theories. I'm curious yeah, to see so like which what, ones come true or not. We're gonna find out for sure who what's her name? Ray. Who Ray is, right? Whose yes. daughter she is, right? And and what was your theory last time? The again? hottest there's several theories. Okay. One of them is that she's Palpatine's granddaughter. Okay. My theory That's is nutty. that somehow she's a, involved in all of this as a clone. That's right. That's nutty too. Man, I can't wait to find but out. I just before, always assumed she was Leia and Hans. I just, it could be. I don't know. I, there's that moment in, in uh, The Last Jedi where she touches that frosty wall, and then you see like a thousand images of her. Right. But I think for sure Palpatine will be a clone. For sure. Yeah. How, could, how else? Yeah. How else will he have come back? Right. Exactly. So that'll be one thing. But uh, So much yeah. for free will. Exactly. <laughs> like, you have to come back just as evil as you are. But, yeah. but there's so many theories and so many. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it'll be interesting be to see, too, how they bring back um, Carrie right. Fisher. Yeah. Because Carrie Fisher, if you don't know, you should know, she died. Right. And so they and had to use existing footage. I think that. Didn't the relatives have to give special permission for them to do that? I don't or? know they gave special permission, okay. but they gave their blessing. Okay, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, thank goodness. Jeez. Because they had to use existing footage. Mm-hmm. So if you watched Rogue One, have you seen that one? Mm-hmm. That's where they get, they get the Death Star plans. At the end of that movie, there was kind of like this like, ugh, feeling. Mm-hmm. Because they CGI'd a young Carrie oh, right, Fisher. right, right, right. And so then there was questions like, well, will they do that in episode Nine. Will they do that in Rise of Skywalker? CGI her, mm-hmm. and they're like, "No, we won't do that. We'll mm-hmm. use existing footage." So that'll be interesting to see. What? So this is all going to be existing footage? It'll be footage that was either in another movie from like deleted scenes. Really? Yeah. Amazing. So we'll see. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I can't imagine they can do it all without CGI. They're going to have to CGI um, backgrounds. Maybe they'll change her clothes. Maybe they'll insert different characters yeah but she will be herself yeah that's gonna be fun yeah no anyway that's that's a miscellaneous conversation if we've ever had one from yeah trump to star wars yeah everything in between (laughs) everything in between So in this part of our show, Joel and I like to share one thing we're watching or we're reading or listening to. Um, this week I wanted to share that I watched on Netflix Martin Scorsese's new film, The Irishman. 
It was amazing. Did you watch it? I watched it, and it has so much to do with what we were just talking about because they CGI'd um, <laughs> whose face? I guess it Robert was Nero, De Niro's face. Everybody's Joe face Pesci, to make them look younger. Yeah, Al Pacino. Yeah, all of them. Yep. And it just, you could totally tell the difference when they put the before and after uh, mm-hmm. pictures. But man, was that good. It was so powerful, but I have to say that I was distracted by the CGI. Oh, really? You noticed it during the show? Well, because even though they did a great job with the CGI <laughs> and smoothing out the wrinkles and everything. Wait, did you know about it before you watched it? I did. Okay. I, I wouldn't have oh, noticed. Oh, you didn't know? No, I, I only heard about it after. Okay. Well, I might have noticed if I knew about it before. I was distracted because I'm like, okay, even though he looks like he's supposed to be like in his 30s, right. he still has the body of a 70-year-old Exactly. Man. Exactly. That <laughs> so, would have been very distracting. There's that scene where he's like, this shop owner, I guess, pushes Robert De Niro's daughter... Oh, yeah. And so he goes back to the shop and throws the guy through, like, a glass window or door yeah. and then beats his ass. Yeah. But he's doing the beatdown like a 70-year-old man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, he looks like he's young, but his body is Yeah, they just... should have used a stunt man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So th- that was, to me, was down. noticeable. But it was so good. Yeah, it was good. Something about mob shows is just so compelling, the way Scorsese does it. And um, he finds a way to make things go so slow mm-hmm. yet so compelling yeah. everything just takes its time and you do not think it's boring it's just yeah. Scorsese does that better than anybody he makes things mm-hmm. just take the time and you just don't lose interest so that was the thing though about this movie was it's How like long? three and a half hours long yeah three and a half hours and people were complaining about the length that's what she said <laughs> In the movie theaters, I got to say, I would have been hard-pressed to, to handle that. So, Martin Scorsese's whole point was people forgot what it's like to have the movie-going experience because they're so fed on, like... Wait a minute, were movies ever that long? I don't think so. I don't either. I'll have to go back and check because I think he's I being a think little so. too... Maybe, like, Ben-Hur or yeah. something or, like, Gone with the Way. I don't know. Because he's... Scorsese's really pissed that Netflix is... And Marvel and, and all Marvel, that. yeah. They are all basically putting everything out on right you know streaming but people were people were complaining about the length but i'm like okay so you're watching a three and a half hour movie and complaining but you'll like sit and watch like eight episodes of jack ryan <laughs> right all in one second but it's not at the theater that's the difference unless you go to one of these theaters where you can recline in these yeah. seats and just go to sleep that way too you can't stop and rewind it yeah. then either yeah. well I watched The Irishman at home because then it was put uh, on Netflix I did too yeah and I watched it and like it took me five hours to watch yeah because well, I, I have a baby too. so I kept stopping and I watched it over three days <laughs> <laughs> I, I fell asleep each time and I still thought it was good I'm just getting oh, old yeah, yeah. But so that's the thing, like, you know, and that kind of takes me back to when we were, were talking about The Mandalorian, talking to Chris Lambert. Like, people, I think, they want what they want when they want it, and yeah. they have a hard time, you know, There's sitting no through. delayed gratification anymore. Yeah. I agree. But it was, it was, the Irishman was really good. I love that it was a different take on mob movies mm-hmm. to where there was, at the end, the whole idea of redemption. Yeah. You know, he went, he was looking to meet with priests and... Yeah. How can I mitigate my guilt here before I die? Kind yeah. of thing. Now, do you think that it should win the Oscar though? No. That's what, it's getting talked oh, in, really? in in uh, in that light, and I don't either. I think it was great, and I can't believe we get this kind of movie experience at home nowadays. Yeah. But no, it's not to me Oscar material. I would say Marriage Story should get an Oscar. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Marriage Story on Netflix. Scarlett. Johansson and um, I've heard, Adam Driver. Oh, I can't wait. To I see cried that. so many times. I can't wait to movie. see that. It's good. Uh, 
That's, anyway, that's pretty fun. Irishman. Sorry, I talked too much. No, I love that show. That was fun. When you got that kind of cast, I mean, you have oh, to do it up. Yeah. All right. Uh, last time I talked about a musical act, and I'm going to talk about a musical act again this time. Last time I talked about Salt, S-A-U-L-T. I think they might be pronounced Salt. I would like to talk about Kiwanuka, who is um, an act out of um, England, had a great album this year. And again, I'm bringing up all these albums um, on top 10 lists, especially out of NPR. If you guys like Soul, if you like funk, if you like disco, kind of those blended together, this guy's got it, man. He is so good. And then, but to me, the best both album and song of the year. And I, I missed this back in October because I've always liked Big Thief. But Big Thief um, came out with like two albums within a month. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. I like the one called UFOF. But uh, I think there are other albums called Two Hands. And if you want to just listen to one song off of UFOF, it's the name of the album, UFOF. And it is just, if you like songs that are sort of eerie and that have super interesting chord progressions Mm -hmm. and cool, um, just very strange um, sort of... The um, melody? Yeah, the melody is very sweet, but um, what is that called? The way that, oh, cool arrangements. This song is arranged really differently, and the, the melody is beautiful, and it's eerie, and just gorgeous. UFOF, the album is amazing, and the song. And that's it. I like Big Thief. Oh, Kiwanuka, check him out, too. He's awesome. Oh, nice. See, I learn about all kinds of new bands and songs from you. And I learned them from best lists at the end of the year i'm serious <laughs> if i wasn't for these i i just go nuts yeah. over these great lists at the end of the year oh, i need to listen to more music i always listen to podcasts and i don't listen to music well that's your thing that's yeah. my thing. and music, my thing yeah for sure that's, that's awesome, awesome. That is all for this semana. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. Please do us a favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iTunes. And please rate our show and leave us a review. Your rating will help others find the show. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening. We will see you again next week. Cheers, Jose. Cheers. Mm. That was so good. I love that beer. Mm. Yum, yum. Tasty. Who are you? I'm Ray. Ray who? Ray Skywalker.